So there's, there's, we looked at the woman with the issue of blood last week. There's, there's a way to, to receive what you need through the faith that is in you. But how many of y'all know people who don't have much faith in them? And for that, God has put the gifts of the Spirit in. Gifts like healing, working to miracles. And these things can, can help jumpstart people, get them to the place they need to be. Bring those folks on out. Build up their expectation. Get them to a place where they're ready to receive. We're going to finish up our series here today. If you're up on Facebook at all, you saw I put a little note up about that. We're going to wrap this series up. We have not exhausted the scripture on this at all. We never end the series exhausting everything. There's plenty more out there to, to do, but we're moving on to something else. And down the road, of course, we'll probably come back to this and see how this, uh, see what other revelation God would give us for us, for us in this. But how many have ever heard of Murphy's Law? Yeah. Murphy's Law works off of the law of expectation. If you expect bad things to happen, they generally do. If you expect good things to happen, they generally do. Depends on what we expect. Depends on what we look to see going on. I heard that there was a Murphy's Law for preachers. Want to know what that is? It was law number one. If the weather is extremely bad, church attendance will be down. Law number two. If the weather is extremely good, church attendance will be down. Law number three. If the bulletin covers are in short supply, church attendance will exceed expectations. <laughs> yeah, it all depends on what we expect, isn't it? If we, if we expect bad things to happen, then bad things usually find us. If we can get ourselves to that place where we expect good things to happen, we can see good things come about for that. Last couple of weeks, the things we've been on, we, two weeks ago we looked at the prophet from Judah. We saw that he heard from God. He got a word from God. He heard from God on the thing. And he, he did what he heard to do. He was told, go into the, into the uh, land of Israel. Go to the altar. Prophesy over the altar. He did all those things. He said, when you come back, come back a different way. And don't eat or drink anything in the land. And so he did that. And, of course, the king offered him to come on back. And he was going to feed him real good. And... Uh, he said, no, nope, no, nope, this is what I heard from God. This is what I need to do. And so he was going to do that. But then uh, someone else came and presented himself as a friend. And he said, I got an angel. Visited me. This is what they told me. He said that there are two forces that come against us to destroy our faith in God's word. To raise up doubts. Those from without and those from within. If the devil cannot get you with pressure from without, he will try and get you from friends within, from friendly forces. And this is what he did. And it worked for this, this case, many other cases as well. So he didn't endure. He didn't hold on to what the Word of God said. He held against it when people came from without, but when people came from within, he did not endure. What's important when you get a word from God is that you hang on to it and that you endure. No matter... What comes against you, whether they are friendly forces or not so friendly forces, you need to stay with what the Word of God told you to do. It doesn't matter whether it's a doctor's report. It doesn't matter if it's a friend. It doesn't matter if it's a prayer partner. What matters is, what has the Word of God told you to do? What has God told you to do? And hang on to it. We saw some things we can do to help us with that, and we sure saw them with the woman with the issue of blood. That when you hear... You need to begin to see. You need to begin to envision that thing happening in your life. You need to begin to declare it. And that's what the woman with the issue of blood did. She heard about Jesus. She began to envision this happening in her own life. She began to walk around and declare it. I know if I just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. And then she had to endure some things. She had to endure some people that were around her telling her it's not going to work. Just like one of those other things you did. But she kept on going. She had to endure when there's a whole lot of people all around Jesus and she can't get in. But she continued to, to press in. And we saw some of the things and there's, a, there's something I left off last week. If you were here last week, I left off a huge section. So we're going to give it to you here. It's not in your outline at all. But I saw that when I got done. I said, oh. You see, because I, I give you the, the outline, but before this outline is ever created, there's a pre-outline. 
And in that pre-outline, there's no organization to it at all. I just write stuff down that I get. And there's this whole section of stuff I wrote down, and I forgot to put it in the, uh, in the outline last week, so we didn't get to it at all. And I didn't see it until I went back, and I, said, I saw the pre-outline. I said, oh, I can't get rid of this. I, I left all this stuff off. But anyway, we'll get over to that. We saw the three things that were there. First off, she built up what she was, what she, she built up her belief. This is where a lot of Christians don't step into this. They, they don't build up themselves. They just hear something and then they go out and they act, act like it's so. Or they see somebody do something and they copy it. You've got to build that thing up. You've got to build that belief up on the inside of yourself. She did. She built it up. She built it up. She kept saying to herself. She heard about Jesus. She kept envisioning this thing. She built it up. Once she built it up, she acted. I gave you this before, but belief is confidence that something is true. Faith is the action of that confidence. It's the difference between faith and belief. So she built it up, she acted, and she received. Now here's the part I didn't give you before. People who skip the first step, people who skip the step of building, are those who copy what others have done. If you're a person who skips the first step, you are just one who copies what other people are doing. Don't just copy. You need to hear, you need to see it, you need to build that up on the inside of yourself. People who skip the first and second step. People who skip the build and the act. They don't act on anything. They just build. These are people who are waiting for God to do something on his own. Here's, if, if you have ever prayed a prayer like this, you skipped step one and step two. Here's a prayer. Oh, Lord, please heal me. You have skipped step one and step two. Totally blew by it. Because you are waiting for God to do something. This woman with the issue of blood did not wait for God to do something. Was it God's will for her to be healed? Yes. Was she healed? No. She was not healed. She had it for 12 years. <laughs> 12 years she had that. Was it God's will that she be healed? But she was not. The man who was at the pool, was it God's will that he be healed? Was he healed? No. The man who was lame at the, at the beautiful gate, was it God's will that he be healed? Was he healed? The man who was born blind that the disciples pointed out, who, was, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Was it God's will that he be healed? Yet, was he healed? No. The man who was paralyzed and was brought in and let down through the roof, was it God's will that he be healed? Was he healed? Did he have faith to be healed? Yes. Was he healed? No. You cannot skip step one and step two and just sit around and say, Oh God, please heal me. Like you need to move God to have a will to heal you. You cannot do that. You have skipped the first two steps. You have not built anything and you are not acting on anything. You are simply waiting. Oh, but I don't bother. This woman did for 12 years. But when she heard about Jesus, what did she do? Something different. If you skip step one and step two, the, the build and the act, you're among those who are waiting for God to do something on his own. What is the words that Jesus said to the woman with the issue of blood? Daughter, my faith has healed you. No, he didn't say that, did he? No. Daughter, the anointing that's on me has healed you. No, he didn't say that either? Huh. Daughter, the special move of the Spirit that's going on right here in this place healed you. No? The faith of the people that are around, that healed you. No? The prayers of all the saints, that's what healed you. What did he say? Your faith has healed you. Now, by our definition, folks, didn't she have that faith back home? So if Jesus says, your faith has healed you, when did she get healed? And she touched the hem of his garment and power went out from Jesus. And she knew in her body that she was healed. When did she get healed? When she touched 
the hem of his garment. Why was that the act that healed her? Because she said with her mouth, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be healed. You got to get this. When she says, if I touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be healed. Is that faith? Well, she said it. Was she healed? She said it. Was she healed? When was she healed? When she did the thing she said she believed. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Tell you what, folks, you get that lesson. To, uh, that's why I tell you, I can go back to this story several times a year. I love this story. There's so much in it. And every time I come back to it, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I, I, I need to start doing that more. I'm not doing that. So much we can learn from her. Learn them. All right, we got through the, those two. People who skip all three steps are those who feel they have already earned what they think God should do. Lord, I have been faithful to you for 20 years. Lord, I have served in the church. Lord, I have done. Skip all three. Skip all three. They feel they're entitled to be healed. They feel they deserve to be healed because of all that they've done. There's people who skip step one. There's people who skip step one and two. And there's people who skip step one, two, and three. And you can tell them right off the bat. Anyway, that's the part I left off last time. We're wrapping up there this, this way. And we're looking at how does God speak to us? Because if I'm going to have the expectation that God is going to speak to me, I better make sure that I know. Now, we've gone over most of these. We're just going to sum it all up and, and put it all here for us to, to do that. How many saw the Facebook post here this morning? All right, a uh, handful of people. You ought to check them before. Because there was a homework assignment on it you should have come in here with. I asked it if, I told you I came up with nine. I didn't try, I'm not trying to make this a, an exhaustive list. I'm not trying to go for seven, nine, ten, any kind of number like that. I just sat there and started, all right, what's some of the ways that he speaks to us? I came up with nine. So we challenge you to come up with a list of your own and bring it in here with you and see how it compares. Because maybe you came up with something I didn't come up with. But anyway, we took those nine, we divided them into three categories. Here's the first one. And each one gets greater as far as its manifestation, as, uh, as it goes on. But here's the inward speaking part. In Luke chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect, perfect understanding of all things, from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. Why does we won't know this before? But why does Luke write his uh, his books in the Bible, Luke and Acts? Why does he write them? Because he had a visit from an angel. He had a vision. God spoke to him. Why did he do it? It seemed like a good idea. He's just going around and it just kind of came up in him. You know, it seems like a good idea to write this all down. That's it. How many of you have been blessed by the things that Luke wrote? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even the Gospels, look like he gives us a different uh, viewpoint on it and we appreciate that viewpoint, but the whole book of Acts. How many of you enjoyed sitting down reading the book of Acts and just seeing what all happened after Jesus went up, seeing what the disciples did? Isn't it Acts just a great book to read? Find out some of the things about Paul's life that we wouldn't have known otherwise. And, and Luke didn't just, I'm just going to go out there and write them. You know what Luke did to do this? He followed Jesus around all those years. He then followed Paul around. He went with them on the boats. He went with them into the riots. He went with them into the shipwrecks. He went with them all these places so that he could know firsthand. When he says, I have a perfect understanding of this, he says, I was there. And he went there and wrote down all the things that he saw. He didn't just de dedicate a week or two to, to write this. He followed Paul around. He hung out in Jerusalem when all the things were going on. Aren't you glad that he did that? And you know why he did it? 
seemed like a good idea. It just seemed like a good idea. Have you ever had it that you did something just because it seemed like it was a good idea? And then all of a sudden you found out, wow, that was a fantastic idea. I can't believe how good of an idea that was. Wow, if I wouldn't have done that, this wouldn't have happened and this wouldn't have happened. And all that it was was, it seemed like a good idea. Have you ever been going to a place and you would normally go this way, but it seemed like a good idea to go a different way? And you find out the traffic was all backed up and nasty things were happening along that path. And you avoided it all because it seemed like a good idea. That's it. Yeah, follow that thing. That's the lowest level of revelation. If you follow that, it'll be great for you. It will be wonderful. If God can just do that little bit of, little bit of steering. A little bit that way. Oh, I'll tell you what, it's, it's good. I heard somebody who was into horse, horseback riding. Anybody into horseback riding? I have ridden a horse, I think, maybe, I don't know, three or four times. It has, it's, it's not that many times. A couple of times. Most of the time I did it. One time was with a saddle. All the rest of the time it was bareback. Just on the, you know, throw a blanket over top of the thing and you get on top and you, you go to town. And uh, one time I had reins. The rest of the time I didn't. What you have is uh, the, the horse is trained and you grab hold of the, the what do they call that hair in the back there? The, the mane. You grab hold of that and you just, you know, tug this way or tug this way and the horse knows what to do. Now, that's a well-trained horse because he doesn't need a bit in his mouth. That's good. A not-so-good trained horse, they got the bit in the mouth. So when you pull on that bit, he's got no choice. He's got to turn that way because it's painful otherwise. Sometimes you don't need the bit. You just need the reins. And they just feel that little tap of the rein, and they know to go this way. But then you got those horses that are, all you got to do is pull their hair this way or that way or tap them, and they know I'm supposed to turn this way or I'm supposed to go this way. They're, they're well-trained. We ought to get to be a well-trained person like that. That all God has to do is just whisper. And we listen. That's the best way to be. In uh, Luke chapter 10, 21, In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. You know, God does some things too because it seems good. If you're following after his example there. Acts chapter 15, verse 25. It seemed good to us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Why'd they send them? It seemed good. And if you go back to the chapter of Acts, you'll, you'll find out good things happened. In verse 28, for it seemed good that the Holy Spirit to send us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. In verse uh, 34, however, it seemed good to Silas to remain there. Now, if you were here when we were going through the series of Acts, we find out that Silas was one of those ones who was sent over to Antioch, back with Paul. He was from Jerusalem. And he was supposed to return with everybody else. But Silas, it just says, it seemed good to him to stay. Where's his job? It's in Jerusalem. Where's his home? It's in Jerusalem. Where do you think his family is? It's in Jerusalem. Where do you think all his friends are? What about all his stuff? It's in Jerusalem. Everything he's got in Jerusalem. He just came for the quick trip to come on over to deliver the message. He's heading back. And it seemed good to him to stay there. How many of you might have a problem with that? If it just seemed good to you to stay, but all your stuff is back in Jerusalem... But it seemed good for him to stay. He's got nothing to do. He might be asking God, what am I going to do here? I don't know. I just feel like it's a good idea to stay. So he stays. And then Barnabas and Paul have that falling out. And Paul needs a new partner. Someone to go on a mission trip. Guess who's available? Silas. Paul looks around. Silas. You look like a good person to go with. Don't really know you a whole lot. You were over in Jerusalem, over here in Antioch. But uh, how, about, how about you go out with me? Would that be a ministry opportunity? <laughs> would, would that be a really cool ministry opportunity? And all you did was hang out because why? It seemed good. It didn't say that God appeared to him. It didn't say that God witnessed to him. It didn't say that God spoke to him. It didn't say any of that. 
It just says, it seemed good. Tell you what, that's how a lot of folks are going to be led. Is because something just seems like a good idea. You got a peace about it. I don't know why, I just feel peaceful about staying here in Antioch. All these many miles away from home. But it seems like a good idea to stay here. So he did. Psalms chapter 37, verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. What is ordered of the Lord? The steps. See, sometimes we want God to point the entire way out. And he says, no, 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 all you need is a step. Take this step. All right, now take this step. All right, now take this step. And take this step. And then when you look back, you say, wow. Look at the place we went to. Hmm. All right, that's the first way. It's not as spectacular. It's not as grand. You can't always get up and give it big testimony. Yeah, God led me into this place to do this thing. How did he lead you? Well, it just seemed like a good idea. That's not, not making a, a riveting testimony. But it's all right. You'll lead into, into some good things. Silas had some great testimonies. There. I was over there with Paul. We were over here. We got beat. We got put in jail. And the Spirit of God came in. And this happened. And, and things shook. And chains fell off. And wow. People got healed. Man, how did you get hooked up with it? I don't know. It just seemed like a good idea. Just hanging out there in Antioch. Hmm. See, God was working on him. But, all, but Silas was trained. All the God had to do was just nudge him. You know, just, just hang out here. What am I hanging out here for? Just hang out here. It just seemed good to him. That was it. It just seemed good. Listen to that. That's a leading of God. Matthew twelve fifteen. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there and the great multitudes followed him. And he healed them all. Well, he knew some things about the crowd here. How did he know those things about the crowd? When Jesus knew it. There's an inward knowing. Have you ever been in a place where all of a sudden you just knew something? You just knew something about something that was happening at work. You knew something that was happening with one of your friends. You knew something about somebody's attitude. You just knew it. No one told you. There's no outward signs. It's just something that came up and you knew it. But when Jesus knew it, verse 25, but Jesus knew their thoughts. How do you know someone's thoughts? Their thoughts, they haven't spoken them out yet. How do you know it? Down on the inside. Jesus knew their thoughts. He said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself will not stand. John chapter 6, verse 61. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this. How do you know it? They're over there complaining. But Jesus knew it. He knew it. You probably experienced this too. You know, when people complain out loud, even when they are nowhere near your hearing, they put something into the atmosphere. And you can know it. You can just know it. There's a spiritual atmosphere about it. And you can just know it. I don't know what... What it was, but I know they were complaining, but Jesus knew in himself exactly what they complained about. Uh, Verse 64. But there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. Hmm. He knew it from the beginning. How do you know it? John 13, 1, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to do the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus knew that his hour had come. How did he know it? This is not, it seemed good, is it? No, he knew something. It seemed good, like, I'm not sure what's up here. It just seems like it's a good idea to... But this is now we're, we're stepping into this realm. He knew it. He knew it. Verse 19. Uh, John 16, verse 19. Now Jesus knew that they desired to ask him. And he said to them, Are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said? A little while and you will not see me. And again a little while and you will see me. 
doesn't happen all the time, but sometimes, sometimes God will tell you that people want to know something. Expect this. This is what happened here. Jesus knew they desired to ask him. I remember the first few times that happened to me. I was in a room that was uh, ministering in a certain group. And all of a sudden, down on the inside, no one said anything to me, but I just knew so-and-so over there needed to talk to me about this. Now, I didn't go up to him and say, the Lord God has shown me that you have a question. Didn't do any of that. I just walked up to them and started a conversation, worked my way over to that topic. As soon as I got over to that topic, I knew where I was going. I wasn't just talking aimlessly. We started talking generally, and I specifically worked it over to this particular topic. And as soon as I got on that topic, oh, I wanted to ask you something about that. And we went on. I never told them that I knew anything about it. It just, to them, seemed like a normal conversation. And then we just went off on it. And that's the way I generally did it. If God showed me that so-and-so needed to talk about something, i just get over there to them, talk to them, work my way around to that conversation. They'd ask me the question, and we go off. But see, it happened with Jesus, too. It'll happen with you. You can be over at work. Where you, it's your missionary field there. And somebody may have a question about something. If they have a question and God's stirring you up that they have the question, guess what you have on the inside of you? The answer, exactly. You've got the answer. You may not even know what it is. But you see, the more that you grow in this, the more faith you'll have. So if you say, well, if they're going to ask me a question about I don't know what the answer is. That's unbelief. Don't be doing that. You'll shut down the, the move of God right, right there. If God is telling you how did you know that they were even asking that question? Because it came up on the inside. It's outside of yourself, isn't it? If God is telling you that, isn't God going to then give you the answer? But you won't get the answer until you take that step. You take that step. You work your way over to that part of the conversation. You let that person ask you the question. You'll be amazed. So ask you that question. All of a sudden, light will come to you. It may already be something you already know. But if it's not... Light can come to you right away. Ah, and you can just begin to tell them what it is that God shows you. That's an inward knowing. The next one we put in there was inward hearing. Can't always tell the difference between this in the story, but these, some of these stories may carry over for this. That's why we didn't put any of the scriptures underneath this. There's an inward knowing and there's an inward hearing. There are some things you just know. No one told, there was no voice, nothing spoke, but sometimes the Spirit of God will speak something to you on the inside. There's no audible voice, it just comes up on the inside of you. Sometimes he'll speak some things to you. Did you notice over here in this scripture, this and this? He'll just speak that to you. It came up in your spirit. And you say, no, I didn't notice that. And you may pull out your Bible, open up the scripture, and sure enough, there it is, just like that voice on the inside of you came up and spoke it to you. Oh, wow. Look at it. And you got revelation. There's an inward knowing. And there's an inward speaking. It's a voice that just comes up on the inside of you. That spirit voice just comes up and speaks some things to you. Listen to it. There's a fourth one. Revelation from his word. In Daniel chapter 9, verse 1. <clears throat> In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Then I set my face toward the Lord God to speak, to, I'm sorry, to make request by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Now, we've spent more time, we've gone through here in Daniel, but we've gone to that spot in Jeremiah. That he was reading. And as he was reading this, he's read it before. But all of a sudden, he's reading it now, and his eyes are open. And he understands, oh, I got it. We don't have to wonder about how long we're in captivity. The Word of God right here tells us it will be 70 years. He said, once I knew that, I began to pray this way. There are times that God will speak to you right through his Word. As you read his Word, as you hear somebody read his Word... As you hear somebody preach from the word, as a word of scripture is brought up to your remembrance, 
That word will come in and God will speak to you from it to answer a question that you have, to give you direction of where you're going. That scripture will come up. Oh, that's it. Now, see, God spoke to him in Jeremiah about the 70 years. He then took that and he began to pray in a different way than he had prayed before. His praying that way caused revelation to come to him about future events. And it's one of the great um, revelations that he received. In uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 16. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. He looked for it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. See, he changed some of the wording. And he let them know, This is speaking about me. How does he know that that verse, those verses, spoke about his ministry? Because one day he was reading, when he was young, he was reading this, and the Spirit of God quickened him and says, that's you. That's you. Somewhere between the time he was born and the time he was 12, he found out that he was here to do his father's business. Maybe in one of the times he was reading this. We don't know exactly when it was. But the revelation came to him and spoke to him and says, that is your ministry now. Now see, usually they all read this and the next number of verses all at the same time. But Jesus was the first one who came along and stopped halfway through. Because he understood the ministry of Messiah is just this right now. When I come as king, it will be the rest. If you go back into Jeremiah, you go back into the, to the scripture he was reading, and you look at the whole thing, there's no break. But Jesus knew there was a break. How did he get that? Because revelation came to him. This is your ministry. This is the part you're doing now. The rest is for later. So he read that part. It was about what he was to do now. And he said, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Scripture spoke to him. Opened up. He understood. When you read the scriptures, how many of you are involved in our daily reading program? Five days a week. We're getting ready to finish going through the New Testament. We're getting ready to start it all over again. The nice thing about it is if you do uh, get behind or fall out, you can pick right up again. Just start where we are. We're finishing up Revelation, getting ready to start Matthew. As you are reading in those chapters, just reading along, you may read something and God may say, speak something to you about your life, about the life of people around you, whatever it might be. Stay in the Word. Stay meditating on the Word. Now, those are the things that come up on the inside of you. This is the way that God speaks to you on the, in, on the inside. It's good. It's a good thing. To just follow after God because of an inward leading. If God never has to give you anything stronger, count your blessings. Be glad. Brother Hagin used to tell us this all the time. The greater the revelation, the greater the opposition. If God has to give you a very strong revelation, it is because the opposition that will come against you is extreme. What kind of, Paul, what kind of revelation did Paul get about his ministry? It was pretty strong, wasn't it? Why? Because the opposition that came against him was quite strong. It was very strong. The greater the revelation, the greater the opposition. He used to tell us, same time he would say that, he said, I thank God when all I get is an inward witness. <laughs> yep. So if you ever, you know, sit there, oh, I wish an angel would come and tell me. No, you don't. You do not. You do not want that. If it happens, all right, good. That's a, cause, but, but there's something in store. Something is coming. Remember when Paul was on the boat 
Then they were in a nasty storm. And Paul said, I perceive that this voyage will end with, with great loss of cargo and life. He perceived. It was an inward witness. That's all it was. But when he got on the boat and the bad winds came and they were tossed about and they were all scared, they were throwing things overboard, trying to make it lighter. He said that he stood up and he said, Men, you should have listened to me. But an angel appeared to me and told me. And he gave him some instruction. That's pretty strong. Because what they were facing is going to be pretty strong. All right, outward leading. Those things that are from outside of you. Samuel, we talked about Samuel. Remember we were in with uh, him and when he heard from God the first time? We're, we're jumping in here in the middle of the story. If you want to go back there and review the whole thing, you can go back to 1 Samuel chapter 3. But we're picking up here at verse 8. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down and it shall be. If he calls you, that you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called. As at other times, this is the fourth time, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel, at which both the ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from the beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows, because his sons made themselves vile, and he did not restrain them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice, or offering forever. So these are the words that he spoke to him. But he was waiting for him to answer. We spent some time on, on that story. But that's something that did not come up on the inside of him. That's something that came from outside. And God spoke. And it was something you could hear with your, with your ears. In Acts 22, verse 6. Now it happened as I journeyed and came near Damascus at about noon. Suddenly, Paul talking, telling the story. Suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, he heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? How did he call Samuel? Samuel, Samuel. Yeah. We've talked about that devil repeating. You know, you know when your mom and she uses your first and middle name, you're in trouble with God. He's trying to get your attention when he says your name twice. Go through the Word of God, you'll see that's, that's true. If he just says it one time, I don't know. But you ought to go through and find out how many times he repeated the person's name. It's, uh, it's kind of fun. So I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. They didn't understand the voice. They, they heard noise, the actual account says, but they didn't understand the the words, the words were meant for him. But it's something that came from the outside, not something that came from the inside. This was an outward voice. There may be times in your life, there may not be. You're not guaranteed any of these things, but this is one of the things that God may do. And he may, with an audible voice, speak to you. I've never had an audible voice. God speak to me in an audible voice or speak to me that way. Most of mine have been on the inside. Brother Hagin used to tell us about times... Uh, the, the one that I know the most is when he said he was young in ministry. We told you the story not too long ago, Sister Gray. And he's up there on the stage. And he said it was, a, it was a voice. And he turned around to see it because he heard it. He didn't just hear it on the inside. He heard it. And he turned around to see who said it. And uh, there was no one there. There are times that God may speak to you in that way. I've heard people say that God has spoken to them that way. But there's no evidence to show it. These folks had evidence to show it. If God speaks to, to you, if God speaks to someone in this way, there's going to be some evidence. Good evidence. You're going to see that. But that is a thing that can happen. Here's another one. Prophecy. Remember in 1 Kings 13. We just looked at that uh, two weeks ago. The word of prophecy came to the, to the prophet. He traveled all the way up. He spoke to Jeroboam. Gave him the, that word. Jeroboam heard that other prophecies before that and he ignored them didn't listen to it. David, when he was uh, missing it with Bathsheba 
and he didn't hear all the other things that God was saying, he sent the prophet Nathan to him, didn't he? And Nathan gave him the story about the little sheep, little lamb. And David got mad. This man shall die. And Nathan says, David, you are the man. He's a prophet. He came to speak things. How many times in the Word of God do we have prophets who brought a word from God? That will sometimes come. It may happen to you. God may speak some things to you. Hopefully it's not a rebuke. There are times that God has spoken good things and, and positive things, directional things. And we saw that sometimes in Paul's life. A prophet would come along and, and say something in a, in a positive way, point in a, in a positive way. It's not always negative. But this will, this will happen too. You just need to be ready for it. But you should also have an inward witness before any of that comes along. We were taught all the time. Don't be directed by prophecy. Prophecy will confirm, but it should only confirm what you already know. Make sure that you already know it. In Acts chapter 22, Then a certain Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, came to me, and he stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that same hour I looked up at him. Then he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. For you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. That's a good prophecy. It's a nice prophecy. And he got up and he did those things. In the parable of the vineyard, in Mark chapter 12, we're not going to read that. I'll put it in your outline there for you if you want to go and take a, take a look at that. Mark chapter 12, Jesus gives a parable. He says a man went out there and he planted a vineyard. He put a moat around it and dressed it and planted it and got it all ready. And then he leased it out to some people to dress it and to take care of it. And at the end of the year, they were supposed to bring a certain portion of that to him because it's his vineyard. And at the end of the year, he sent people and they uh, abused them. Some of them they killed, some of them they beat. And finally, he says, I'll send them my son. Surely they'll respect my son. And he sent his son and they said this is the heir let's kill him and the vineyard will be ours and then, of course the Pharisees knew he was saying this against them but what he was saying was that God would send people prophets to speak to people to speak to men and let them know so these are some of the things that will happen outwardly that you may hear a voice from outside of yourself someone may come and speak something to you now, I was thinking about this, too. I didn't put it in there. If uh, the, the handful of folks that uh, saw this on Facebook, if you put this in here, I, I almost did. I left it off. But counsel. I didn't put counsel in there. Because counsel is not always a good thing. It's always a good idea to seek counsel. But how many of y'all know in the Word of God, we got a lot of people who sought counsel, and counsel came to them, and it was bad. Because it wasn't founded on the Word of God. But sometimes someone can come along and you may go and ask somebody and say, uh, what about this situation? And they may give you counsel and they may point you in the direction of the Word of God and they may be able to be a voice of God in your, in your life in that way. But be real careful. Be real careful with it. With anything that comes from the outside, folks, be careful. Whether it be a voice that you hear, whether it be a prophecy that you receive, whatever it might be, if it comes from outside, you need to check the, sp the, the Spirit as the Word of God says. Don't just believe all the spirits. Check them. See, when it comes from the inside, you can sense the peace or lack of it. You can sense whether it's of God or not of God. But when it comes from outside, you can't always do that. Be careful with those things that come from outside. God will send them. God has sent them. We showed you some places in the scripture where it's there. Here's the, the third one. Special revealings. Special revelation. First one, dreams and visions. If you separated these, I did not. Because a dream is what you have when you are asleep and a vision is what you have when you're awake. They're both basically the same thing. It's just a matter of what state of mind you are in when it happens. Joseph in Genesis chapter 37 had a dream. We spent some time going over that. He had a dream, right? God spoke to him in a dream. We looked at some of the things that that dream meant. Daniel in, in Daniel chapter 2. The king had a dream. Daniel had a vision. They both saw the same thing. The king was sleeping and had a dream. Daniel was awake, seeking the Lord, and had a vision 
of the same thing that the king dreamed. Peter, in Acts chapter 10, had a vision. He had a vision. He saw something come down a blanket with all these unclean animals on it. And the voice said, Arise, Peter, kill and eat. He said, No, not so, Lord. For nothing unclean has ever entered my body. Now, he's never eaten any of that. And the Lord spoke to him, What I have called clean, do not call unclean. He said, That happened three times. And the Word of God said, As he was pondering the meaning of the vision. When we were going through the book of Acts, we spent some time on this. But if the meaning of the vision was clear, how many of y'all know you don't have to ponder it? If the meaning of the vision was simply about food, does it take any pondering? There's no thought to it at all. For Peter to be pondering that vision means there was something more to it. While I was pondering the vision, and he describes other things that happened. Well, if you missed all that, you can go back to the series on Acts, pull up the one on Acts chapter 10 and get the rest of that. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 19, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly, talking about Mary. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus. And, of course, he gives them the instructions of what he should, should do in that. That was a dream. Joseph was sleeping. He was pondering what he was going to do about this situation. His uh, person, the, the woman he's engaged to, is with child. He knew it wasn't by him. He was going to put her away and had this dream. And um, beside dreams and visions, those things will happen. The Word of God tells us that these things, in a lot of days, these things will happen. We can begin to expect in our life that visions and dreams can happen. If a dream happens, if you go through the Word of God, whenever someone got a dream, they knew what the dream meant. If any person got a vision, they knew the vision came from God. Now, they may have pondered its meaning a little bit, as with Peter was the case. Joseph knew as soon as he got up what the dream meant. He told him, <laughs> don't be afraid to do this. He also saw a dream about going down to Egypt. He had a dream about getting out of Egypt. But he knew what they, what they meant. If you have a dream, and you have no idea what it means, and it doesn't seem to jump off the page of you that it's from God, it may not be. It may just have been a dream. Don't lose sleep over it. People have weird dreams. And maybe all that it is, just a weird dream. So if you have spent time and something came to you in the dream, but it's, it's not apparent to you, I don't know what this means, it probably means nothing. Now, I'm told, people, people tell you who study sleep and all that, that we all dream. How many of you remember a dream that you had last night? Anybody have a dream last night? Remember? All right, we got one. One out of, you got two, three, four, got a few of them. I do not, I do not remember the last time I remember a dream. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure that I've had them, but I wake up and they're, if I had them, they're gone. I don't remember them. I don't sit there and try and figure out what they were. I really don't care. Because we're up now, it's time to do other things. If you had a dream and you remember it, but you don't know what it means, don't worry about it. It may not be an important dream. Because the people in the Word of God who had dreams that they were important knew they were important. And God made sure that if they did not get the meaning of it, that the meaning was sent. Nebuchadnezzar didn't know the meaning of his dream, but he's not, he's not born again. He's not God-fearing. God had to go get one of his guys and send him on over to help him out with that. So don't, don't worry about that. But here in Abraham... Abraham in Genesis chapter 18. Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth tree at Mamre, and he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground. He saw people. This is not a vision. This is not a dream. 
This is when actual people from God are standing before you. This is a visitation. You have been visited. In Joshua chapter 5, verse 13, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, and he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. Now, this is the commander of the army of the Lord. Remember, remember a word that, that God gave to Joshua? I love this. The Lord told Joshua, Be strong and courageous. That's the words he gave him, right? Be strong and courageous. He took this to heart because he sees the commander of the army of the Lord. How many of y'all know that ought to be impressive? This person's an impressive person out there. With the sword drawn. And he goes up to him. What you doing here? We're not talking about a dream. We're talking the actual person. Look at what he says. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? Tell me right now. Because you're for us, you can, you can jump on it. If you're not, I'm going to kill you right now. Take you right out. Who are you for? <laughs> Would you do that? So he said, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. All right. So Joshua falls on his face on the earth and worshipped and said to him, Why does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandals off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Now every time an angel showed up before people, and the people got intimidated by it, and they bowed down, what does the angel do? Get up. Get up. Get, always are getting them up. Always are getting them up. There's only one angel who shows up who always lets them stay down. The angel of the Lord, who is Jesus. So get this. Joshua, be strong and courageous, goes up to Jesus and says, Are you on our side or not? Because if you're not, I'm taking you out right now. <laughs> is that strong and courageous? Man, I'll tell you what. And when he says, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And he bows down, he worships. And he says, take your feet off, take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you're standing is holy. In Luke chapter 2, you're going to see some other visitations. Zacharias got one, Mary got one, showed up, visited. Mary got an actual visit. Joseph got a dream. <laughs> Mary got a visit. Wow. All right, here's one more. This is the last one. Caught up. This goes beyond someone from heaven coming down and being in your presence. This is when you are called upon to go up. They're not coming down to meet you. They're saying, you, come up here. <laughs> Look what happens. In Paul, Paul's account in Second Corinthians 12 verse 1, it is doubtless and not proper for me to boast I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body I do not know, God knows, how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which is not lawful for a man to utter. Wow. What Paul is telling you is, most of my experience I had out there, I can't tell you about. It just was awesome. And can you imagine not being able to tell whether you are in your body or out of your body? Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. After these things, John speaking, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which much takes place take place after this. Come up here. I'm not talking to you down there. I need you to come up here. And he was caught up. He was caught up. Enoch, what happened with him? He got caught up, didn't he? Yeah, it does happen. It does not happen often. But it does happen. To the people that it happened to were some of the people who faced the greatest opposition that you will ever face. They were caught up. Paul, John, 
And they got great revelation. These are, some of the, these are the ways that I've seen in the Word of God that God has spoken to His people. You can expect God to speak to you in these ways. The first ones are going to be more common and preferable. It's a whole lot better to have God speak to you that way than any other way. I put this in your outline for you. The only blank you got to fill in the whole time. <laughs> Though we may desire the stronger ones, what comes to us is what we need. What God gives you is what you need. Understand this. Whatever revelation God gives you for the task that is ahead, no matter how great or how small, whatever revelation He gives you, you will still need to be in a place of faith. You will never be in a place where you are absolutely sure. Paul, despite all the great revelations that he got, he still speaks of time when he wondered. I mean, it's... No matter what, the enemy is going to come against you and he's going to try and shake you. You do not have to have a revelation that cannot be ever questioned from on the inside of you. And just because you have a question about it, how many have ever had God lead you someplace, and as you're going out there, you have questions? Well, did God really lead me here? Was I sure that that was God's leading? You know what, folks? No matter how great the revelation he gives you, you will always have that question. Because he never gives you a revelation that is so powerful that it will stop all that. Because what does God require of us? Faith. You will always have to take a step of faith. No matter how great the revelation is. So the greater the revelation, there's still going to be faith. still going to be faith. Think of it this way. Peter is in a boat in the middle of the water, waves, wind, and he sees Jesus walking on water. How many of you that would move you? And if a person walking on water says to you, come, how many of you that would move you? I would never, if, God, if Jesus said that to me and I saw him walking on water, he says, come, I would never doubt, I would never doubt at all. And Peter jumped right out of that boat, right onto that water. And what happened as soon as he starts walking? Yeah, don't think you're above Peter. Because when you get out and you step out into whatever revelation God has given you, the waves, the wind, it's all going to be going on and it's going to begin to shake you. No matter what, it's going to require something. And what it requires is exactly what Jesus told Peter. Peter, where is your faith? Why did you doubt? Learn the voice of God. And when God speaks to you about your job, about your family, about whatever situation you bring to him, he will give you revelation. He will speak to you about it. And you will have reasons to let it go. You will have reasons to not do it. But you need to understand, whatever God has spoken to you, you need to do it. And until you do it, what is it that God will not do? Why speak to you anymore if you won't do what he said? You need to do what he said and hang on to it despite the waves and the wind and the storm and what the people say. You need to hang on to it and keep doing it. Keep going. Just like the woman with the issue of blood, no matter how many people around her told her no, no matter what she saw, she kept going. You need to keep pressing on. And when you do, what will God do? Speak to you some more. He'll speak to you some more. When Elijah was facing opposition, the word of the Lord came to him and said, Go to the brook. I have commanded a raven there to feed you. And when the brook dried up, what did God say? 
go to Zarephath. I've commanded a widow there to feed you. But if he didn't go to the brook, would he have gotten the word to go to Zarephath? Uh-uh. Folks, we got to take the first step. God will speak to you some more. How many of y'all know it doesn't make sense to go to a brook and expect birds to come and feed you? It doesn't really make any sense. I mean, you know, it doesn't make sense that in a great famine to go to a land and a widow woman is going to feed you. Doesn't make sense. Don't worry about it. What has God spoken to you to do? Regarding your job, regarding your family, regarding your health, regarding your whatever it is that you're trying to do. Whatever it is, God has given you some wisdom. And you need to do what he says to do. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you for the things you have spoken to us. Every person here in this room, we have heard your voice. For something in our life, we have heard your voice. We have heard you speak to us. And we need to hang on to those things that you say to do. No matter the waves, no matter the wind, no matter the storm, no matter the people, no matter the opposition, we need to continue to do what you say to do. And Father, I thank you that you continue to speak to us and you continue to help us. We give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. We have some praise reports. Amen. Well, Eileen is up here, so we're going to give her the microphone. You're welcome. <laughs> we got lots of praise reports. You're going to be busy for a while. I passed my state uh, certification test. Um, thank you for your prayers. Uh, Ray, this has been a blessed week. My time off has been productive. My education advanced. Are we on enough? Okay, try this again. Ray. Um, this has been a blessed week. Uh, my time off has been productive. My education advanced in cardiac life support has uh, gone smoothly. Thank God that he has given me wisdom and knowledge, knowledge to succeed. Uh, Daryl Williams... Uh, we had an issue with our work vehicle this week. The Lord sent us someone who was able to get it going again so that we did not need to pay to have it towed. Uh, is that Candy? Candy, I'm sorry. I am so happy to report that Bob's cancer has been has not spread and I give God all the praise and thank you all for your prayers and your support. You are helping us get through this. Oh. Naz, I allowed myself to to lose it yesterday, but thank God for prayerful family that gave me Peace, or space, and God, a God that is full of grace, and quick, quickly pulled me back to His side. Light always grows, covers darkness. Mercy, thank God for one more year. Is Israel, and I have a wonderful birthday. Glory to God. Jolly, number one, passed my official customs supervising test last week. Two, our pool is open, had our first jump and swim yesterday. You are invited. Oh, um, mark your calendars for July 11th, 2015, 2 p.m., housewarming party. Housewarming party. Party, party. And toe. 
For the past couple of years, I've been working on paying off lots and lots of debt, loans incurred from my student loans, credit cards, uh, loans from paying for my brother through graduation school. Uh, When I moved up to this area for the new job, it was well known at the time that the site where I had been employed was planning to close. Most questioned my decision to take the job and advance to consider other options. However, I had prayed about this job and believed it was where I was supposed to be. When I got the job in 2014, I found that I was in, in, eligible for a bonus since the site was closed. This bonus was more than enough to pay all my debt. The good news is that I finally received this loan and all my debts are paid off, all. I was even able to buy a new sofa that I have always wanted. The sale agent who helped me was a blessing and I believe it was a divine appointment that she was there to help me. The Lord loves me so much and he has even made sure that I got a sofa that I loved. Thank God he is good to me. Nikolai, thank you and praise God for a beautiful and godly woman, wife and mama. Happy birthday. Uh, These are good ones. 